Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, West Campus, Southwest Campus, Far to Lose, Bonnie Dune, and everyone online. When driving, have you ever taken your eyes off the road because your phone buzzed or or the GPS was telling you to go somewhere that you didn't know you had to go, you missed your turn, or, or maybe you were just eating fries and you dropped one on your lap and you didn't want to lose it, so you just kind of went like that. <sighs> I know I have. Uh, in fact, a few years ago, Volkswagen put together a commercial to address the fact that we are often distracted by all the things. Uh, take a look. Talk about sending a message. Oh, well, I don't know about you, but I, have, I am often distracted, whether studying or, or reading or driving. I never at Beulah, right? I'm never distracted here while listening to a sermon, right? <laughs> uh, we often uh, have these distractions that we face. And when we face these distractions, we have a choice, right? Are we going to allow our minds to be and our, and, our, and our attention to be drawn toward that? Or do we turn back and do we focus? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today as we open up the scriptures. So let's open up to Mark chapter 1 and take a look at the next two verses in verse 14 and 15. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In these verses, we see that the, that, that the people of God were distracted. We also see that Jesus was, was probably distracted too and, and, and so were the original readers that received this. So let's walk through each group quickly. Let's start with the people of God. At the beginning of verse 14, we see that John was arrested. Now that's a huge change from what was happening in verse 4 to 5, where he was baptizing people and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to meet him. Now remember, this was the most exciting thing that happened to the people of God in more than 300 years. John was the promised one. Right? He was the prophesied one. He was the one that was foreshadowed to come, and now he was here. 
And now he was arrested. Talk about a 180, right? Talk about a distraction. Imagine how many people were just trying to figure out what, what? Like, how, how is this happening now? It wasn't supposed to be this way. Well, in this text, we also see that Jesus was also probably distracted. I mean, he had just been baptized. He had spent 40 days in the desert being tempted by Satan, as Pastor Keith unpacked so well last week. Angels served him. I mean, how crazy was that? And then on top of that, his cousin John is arrested, the forerunner of his ministry, the one who was to bring about the, the, a bridge between the old and the new covenant, the one who marked the end of an era and the beginning of a new era, he was now arrested. Jesus was probably distracted by that. And then the people of God who originally received this, Mark wrote this in Italy to Roman Christians who were being persecuted before they were able to worship in peace and in freedom, and, and now they couldn't. They were being distracted. They were distracted from what they were previously able to focus on. So there's a lot of distraction going on here, right? If we go back to the text, looking at and thinking about John's arrest, how was Jesus able to focus in light of the fact that his cousin just got arrested? Right? How were the people of God able to focus? How was, Jesus, how was Jesus able to help his disciples focus when everyone was like, oh wait, there must have been some pandemonium or chaos going on too, rumors being passed. Was he arrested? Was he not arrested? Oh, he was arrested for this. He was not arrested for that. Like imagine all the conversation, all the distractions and conversations that must have been going on. How was Jesus able to focus and help those around him focus? How does this passage help us today in Greater Edmonton Focus too? Do you notice all the political signs everywhere? It's distraction. Dreisaitl scoring four goals earlier this week and them still not winning? Talk about distraction. I mean, I'm glad they won yesterday. Like, like it's crazy, awesome, such a, such a great win. But talk about distraction, right? There's wildfires. I woke up this morning to rain, and immediately out of my mouth, I was like, thank you, Jesus. It's not enough. These evacuations, maybe you have someone staying with you. I know some in our church family have friends in Drayton Valley and in other areas staying with them. What a distraction. What a disruption to what's going on in our lives right now. So how is Jesus able to focus? Well, in our text for today, we're going to discover that Jesus was able to focus in the midst of all the distractions that he was wrestling through and navigating in uh, because he knew his calling, he recognized the timing, and he made a change. So let's start with our first point. How do we focus? By knowing our calling. Now, the Gospel of Mark is action-oriented. The Gospel of Mark is punchy. Everything happens so fast. So the, 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 the trap that some of us can fall into is, is thinking that as fast as we read it is as fast as it happened. But when you look at verse 15 or verse 14, it's interesting because in just eight words, 
Mark covers so much ground. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee. There's so much that happened in these eight verses. And and in that, Mark didn't explain why John got arrested. Mark knew why he got arrested. In fact, a little bit later in chapter, in, uh, in, in a few chapters later, he actually explains and talks about John's arrest. But in this passage right now, in this moment, he doesn't go on and talk about John because he's trying to help us focus. He went from John the Baptist and all that happened to Jesus getting baptized and then Jesus going in the desert and then John being arrested. And that was an important piece of information for Mark to write. But if he continued to go on, we would have gone from John focusing on John to focusing on Jesus and back to John. But Mark was like, no, 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 no. We need to focus on Jesus. We can't get distracted. I'll address that later. But Jesus is now center stage. And that's why he went through, in this first verse, in eight words, he went through so much time. I like how this one theologian put it, the role of the forerunner is over and the time of fulfillment has come. And on top of that, between verse 13 and 14, once again, also a lot that happened. Jesus didn't go straight from the desert to Galilee. He actually went to the Judean countryside first. And we know that because it says that in John chapter 3. And Jesus and his disciples in the Judean countryside were baptizing. They were baptizing too. And, and then John and his disciples were also baptizing, not, not like in competing rivers. You're there and I'm here. Let's see how many people we can baptize. That's not what was happening. They're actually pretty far apart. John was baptizing in Anon near Salim. It was many kilometers apart from each other. They couldn't see each other. So lots... There's lots going on, right? There's lots going on in these eight verses. So why did Mark put them together? Well, here's why. He wanted to connect John and Jesus' lives, their callings, and their ministries. He wanted to connect them together. And we know this because in verse 4, we see the same word being used to describe what John was doing with what Jesus was doing in verse 14. Right in John 4, uh, sorry, John, Mark chapter 1, verse 4, we read, John came proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then in verse 14, Jesus went to Galilee. Same word, right? Proclaiming. Proclaiming the good news of God. Now, Mark is a man of few words. <laughs> he says a lot in very few words. So when he uses the same word in very short fashion, There's a point to it. And the point here that he's trying to make is he's trying to connect John and Jesus together. So in the face of this distraction, right, the distraction of his cousin getting arrested, how was Jesus able to focus? How was he able to focus and preach and proclaim the good news of God? It's because he knew his calling. His calling. You know, sometimes when we hear the word calling, we assume that it only applies to pastors and missionaries. They have a calling, I have a career. 
Or maybe for some of you, you equate calling and career. You're like, yeah, 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 I mean, you use calling, I use career. Tomato, tomato, it's sort of the same thing, right? Like, that's the Christian version. That's an, I mean, and we do this sort of thing. We're like, yeah, like, what, what is this all about? But what we see is that Jesus and his disciples did not actually see calling to be only reserved for some. Calling was actually for all. And, he, and they didn't see calling and career as something that overlapped. They could, but it wasn't the same thing. Uh, now, consider this, right? Uh, we all do something to pay the bills and get food on the table, right? There's something that we all do. Uh, uh, Matthew was a tax collector. Peter and Andrew, they were, uh, they were fishermen. Lydia was in the textile industry. Paul was a tent maker. Jesus, he was a carpenter. I mean, he probably had his ticket and his red seal too, right? I mean, the guy made chairs and I mean, who knows what he made if he's a fine carpenter or whatever. I mean, he, but he worked with his hands. He was a tradesman. But for each and every one of these people, their jobs, their careers weren't their calling. Their jobs are what they did to provide for themselves and those around them, but just, just like your job, right? And if you're a student, you're, that's your job. But a calling is different. We actually all share the same calling. And it's the same calling that the disciples and Jesus had. To know Jesus, to know God, to make him known, to love God, to love others, to build up the body of Christ, and in the body of Christ, we all have different roles, but to build up the body of Christ is a part of the calling that we all have. And sometimes when we think about the body of Christ, we think um, like, oh, this is the body of Christ, and then Southwest Campus is the body of Christ, and then, and then that Pentecostal church is the body of Christ, and, and that CRC church is the body of Christ, and, and the Baptist church is the body of Christ. And we sometimes do this thing where we're like, oh, we're all different body, church, body, the same sort of thing, right? And, and, but it's not. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read that there's only one body of Christ, one body that we're all a part of, we all have slightly different roles, but they're all working together toward the same calling to preach and to proclaim and to share the good news of God. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus is the hope of the world. That Jesus is the, 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 the one that we, our souls, are longing for and are, are designed for, to know that we're going to be on this endless search until we find Jesus. To share about that, to proclaim that, that's our calling. To show everyone in word and in deed the love of Jesus. That's our calling. So in the midst of all that had happened and all that was going on around him, Jesus was able to focus because he knew his calling. He knew the difference between his job and his calling. And at this point in his life, it happened to intersect. But remember, Jesus, it wasn't always like that. He was a carpenter before. And his primary focus when he was building things wasn't preaching and proclaiming the good news of God. It was to provide for himself and his mom and his family. But at this point in his life, it happened to intersect. And in the same way, when we recognize that our calling 
regardless of what we do to provide for ourselves and those around us, our calling is actually the same, to know God, to make him known, to love him, to love others, then we'll be able to focus in the midst of all the distractions that are going on around us. And there's lots. And we recognize that our calling isn't our, what we do from nine to five or five to nine. But our calling is to know Jesus and make him known things will start coming into focus. It's kind of like uh, in, when you're taking a picture. I love photography, and, 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 and when you're taking a picture, there's a concept called the depth of field. And you probably know uh, this, you, you've probably seen this because if you've seen a photo, there are some photos where everything's in focus, and then there are other photos that you've probably seen where, where one thing is in focus and everything else is blurry. Well, that's because the depth of field has been changed. On our phones these days, you got the portrait mode, right? So you can easily do that. But that's, that's what that is. And when we know our calling, it's like we're adjusting the depth of field to focus on what's most important and everything else sort of blurs away. So that's what Jesus did and, and that's what we're called to do. But the second way that Jesus was able to focus was because he recognized the timing. He recognized the timing. You know, time is an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, we're like, what time is it? Or, or, or what, 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 what are we doing tomorrow? Or what are we going to do in 15 minutes, right? We check the time in that way. And for all you Marvel fans on the multiverse, what timeline are we on? <laughs> right? I mean, time. When we think about time, we often think about chronological time. And in this verse, we see Jesus talking about time. Verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. But Jesus here wasn't talking about chronological time. He was talking about a different sort of time, Kairos time. And in English, we only have one word for time. It's time. <laughs> uh, duh, right? Uh, but in the Greek, there's two words for time, chronos and kairos. Can we say that together? Chronos and kairos. Chronos is what you would think it is. It's chronological time. It's time that's measured in, in, in seconds and minutes and days and months. It's years. It's, it's, you know, what time are we going to eat breakfast tomorrow, right? It's a specific point in time. Mark 9, how long has this been happening to him? Well, that's chronos. Or in Acts 14, they spent a considerable amount of time with the disciples. That's chronological time. Kairos time is different though. Kairos time can be translated as a moment, as a point in time, as a period of time. Have you ever said, finally, it's time, right? You're not, ref you're not referencing to the fact that it's a particular time right now. You're just saying, finally, it's time. That's Kairos time. 2 Timothy 3.1, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. We don't know specifically at what minute and what hour and all that. It's just in general, their hard times will come in the last days. Or in Ephesians 6.18, pray at all times with the Spirit in every prayer and request. That's Kairos time. It's interesting though, Kairos time can also be translated as a divine moment. Have you ever experienced those? I mean, maybe at one point in your life, you would have been like, oh, it's just a coincidence. 
But as you've grown and as you've kind of let time, chronological time pass and you look back to that moment, you're like, oh, no, 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 there is no way that that was just coincidence. God must have been up to something there. Well, that's Kairos time. It's a divine moment, an opportune time, an opportune moment. At the critical time, at the right time, something happened. That's Kairos time. In Romans 5, 6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what's going on here. Jesus is saying that the right time, the Kairos time had arrived. Right? The time is fulfilled. Kairos is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus recognized in this point in time, after John being arrested and everything going on, he was like, this is the time. The time is fulfilled. The prophesied time had arrived. The promised time had been fulfilled. It had had started. It started to begin to be fulfilled. And the Kairos time of salvation was now here. He was like, it, the moment has come. I love this quote. Jesus comes not hustling or selling the kingdom. Rather, he has submitted himself patiently to the divine timing and waited for the propitious moment, so long prepared for, of which he is the herald. The arrival of God's kairos demands a change in thinking. What we are reading about right now, this kairos time, this time being fulfilled, demands a change in thinking. In other words, Jesus didn't rush things. He didn't assume that everything had to be now and immediate. He lived in Kronos time, but he wasn't trapped by it. He lived in Kronos time, but he didn't live under it. He lived under God's time, Kairos time. So how, right? How was he able to distinguish between Kronos time and Kairos time? I mean, when he was at the age of 12, he could have, and he was in the temple and debating and discussing with the religious leaders, he could have started his ministry there, but it wasn't Kairos time. When he got baptized and emerged out of the water and God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, he could have started his ministry. That that would have been starting a ministry with with a bang, right? But he didn't because it wasn't Kairos time. He had to go through the desert to learn how to distinguish and discern God's voice from his own and from the enemies. There's a reason the angel served him. There's a reason John had to be arrested first. All these things had to take place. I mean, imagine Jesus like, like building a desk, right? Or building a table and being like, God, is it time yet? I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Is it time yet? I was like, no. The Kairos moment hadn't arrived until this and now. Jesus was able to focus because he could tell the difference between Kronos and Kairos time. For us, we have something going against us, right? It's called Amazon. <laughs> I, I, I don't have anything against Amazon per se. Actually, I buy a lot of things from Amazon. I bought a handheld uh, steamer yesterday and it's coming today. Uh, I bought some coffee this morning and I had the option of getting it delivered today. I didn't want to pay the extra dollars, $6.99, so I was just like, I'll just, let's just come tomorrow. And you remember buying anything on the Sears catalogs? You remember those? 
Remember how long you had to wait? Wow, so fast, it came in a month. What? <laughs> and now everything's now. You want to read a book? Download now. You want to listen to an audiobook? You want to do anything? It's like right now. You can, you're hungry? Let's get Skip the Dishes order to Beulah right now. All right, so that when the service ends, you'll have a big party. <laughs> right, everything is now. We've been conditioned for the instant. The problem with that is that's actually merge these two concepts because of this. These little things have tricked us into believing that we're little gods. Because it's sort of godlike to be able to just say, do this, and it happens, right? It's, it's sort of godlike to, to just ask a question and this little thing answers. You don't need to say thank you. I mean, my kids got offended one time when I didn't say thank you after Siri answered me. I was like, you don't need to say thank you. It's not even a thing. You know, it's, just like, it's just like technology. <laughs> but this has actually merged Kronos and Kairos time for us to the effect where we think if something doesn't happen in our timing, that something's wrong. But they're actually very different. Kronos and Kairos time are very different. So how do we distinguish the two? Well, here's one way that I've learned how to do this. I'm not an expert in this, but one way that I've learned to slow down and separate Kronos and Kairos is when I read the scriptures. It's easy to read the scriptures in a, in a Kronos sort of way because you just read through it and you're like, hey, 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 I check it off and I'm good and I go to my next thing. But, but when you read the scriptures slowly, you pause, you wait, you reflect, and you're like, yeah, maybe you have 15 minutes, maybe you don't have an end point, but you just open the scriptures and allow the word of God to speak to you, you begin syncing up with Kairos time. For example, in Psalm 62, verse 5, this is what I do. Uh, rest in God, I'll read, rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from him. Am I resting in you, God? Alone? I mean, I know I rest in you sometimes, but are you truly my only rest? Are you my only hope? He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock, my refuge is in God. My, my refuge is in God? Lord, is my refuge in you or is it in rain? I pray that rain would come. Not only physical rain in greater Edmonton and, and, and around in Alberta, but I pray spiritual rain would rain down. But is my trust in you doing something or is it really in you and you alone? See what happens when you just reflect on the scriptures in that way and, and you pray in that way reflectively that it's not just something you get through. That's one of the ways that we can sync up and recognize the difference between Kairos and Kronos time. But you know, in this age of distraction that we're all living in, it's, it's one thing to, to know our calling and to recognize the timing, but we also need to make a change, right? Like, it's just, you just need to sometimes do something, right? Like stop talking about it, stop thinking about it, just 
do something. And that's what this last point is. We just need to make the change. It's like we're focusing, we're unfocusing, we're looking at this, we're looking at that. Just take the picture. I mean, yeah, we got digital these days. Just take lots of pictures. Do this and focus on this, focus on that. I and mean, just take the picture. And that's what we read here. When Jesus says in verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He doesn't just say, the kingdom of God has come near. Now believe. He says we got to do something. He says, repent, repent, and then believe the good news. He's saying that the good news of the kingdom of God has arrived. Repent and believe it. The kingdom of God is near. The, its realization had or, has already begun. The reign of God is breaking into our world, and it has nothing to do with some king getting coronated over the pond. Right? That is not what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, not that a new religion has arrived, but a new reality has. That's what he's saying when the kingdom of God is coming. It's like a little mustard seed is being planted in the ground. You don't see it, but one day it's going to grow so large that every single being is going to find shade under it. Saying the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is here and it's growing. God himself has invaded human history to rescue and redeem us. The kingdom of God is here. Do you see it? Maybe you've been trying for years to get pregnant. And that day when you take yet another pregnancy test and it comes up negative and instead of being overwhelmed with doubt and despair for some reason you're filled with this peace that's unexplainable that's the kingdom of God breaking in When you've been praying for healing over a loved one who has cancer and it's been wholehearted prayers and you've gathered people together to do prayer meetings and you're laying on your hands and you're believing in God to move and you know he can move and then they die and you're at that funeral And your tears actually, in your tears, you're not actually sorrowful. But you feel this overwhelming sense of comfort. That's the kingdom of God breaking in. Yeah, when you are praying for healing and someone gets healed, yeah, that's the kingdom of God breaking in. When you're praying for something for years and it happens and you give glory to God, yeah, that's the kingdom of God breaking in too. But we can't assume that, the, that our kingdom is the same thing as Jesus' kingdom. Our kingdom is where our rule and reign are taking place. And when we get what we want, the kingdom of God is where his rule and reign takes place. And he gets what he wants. And sometimes it lines up. Sometimes it doesn't. But are you 
Are you focusing on, on, on your kingdom and blurring out this one? Or are you focusing on his kingdom and blurring out your own? That makes all the difference, doesn't it? So in response to this, Jesus is saying, just take the picture. Repent of the ways that you've been focusing on your kingdom and, and, and come to me. Stop assuming that, that, that your will always lines up with my will and come to me. Turn your direction and repent and believe that he has a plan and he has a purpose that is always bigger and broader and better than what we could ever imagine or hope for. But God, it doesn't feel better. Your way doesn't, this, I want you to do what I want. And God in his Kairos timing, Satan, just wait. Just wait. You'll see. This past week, I was driving up Highway 2. I drove up Highway 2 twice. Uh, the first time was to um, speak at a marriage retreat that Christina and I were at last weekend at Lake Louise. And then the, the second time was on Thursday. Um, I was speaking at the Ambrose Pastors Conference. Do uh, you remember how Thursday felt? Like it was hot, right? It was, it was really hot. And I was driving up Highway 2. I mean, most of us have probably driven, unless you just moved here. I mean, most of, you have, most of us have gone up and down Highway 2. And, and yeah, you know, there's some bends and a couple of hills, but generally it's just a straight shot down to Calgary, right? It's a boring drive. So we were driving back. I was with Pastor Minor, and we were talking, and I was on cruise control, and we were just going. And the air conditioning was cranked up high, but it still wasn't keeping the car cool. You know, I was like fighting to try to cool down, and it just wasn't quite there. And we were driving, and, and, and all the way up there, I saw this black dot. And I was like, what is that? Like, we had passed by some berms where it was completely black because of some fires. But it was like a moving black dot. And as we were driving up closer and closer, it was, it was a person. And, and the person, it was hot, right, on Thursday. The person was dressed in black from head to toe. And he wasn't just dressed in black from head to toe. He had a cape. Y'all, who wears a cape these days? Right? But it was a big, flowing black cape. And he wasn't just walking. He was strutting. He was going down the high. He wasn't on the side. The, the line of the roads right here. Cars are, he's like right on the line. And he's going. But actually, he's not just strutting. He has, he's holding something. And he's like, and he's going down, right? And I'm like, what is that guy doing? And as I drive closer, I'm like, and what is he holding? And it started to glimmer. And I was like, is that a sickle? And I was like, Minor, is that the Grim Reaper? Is death coming our way? What the heck is happening? And we drive by, right? And as we're driving by, I'm like, oh, shoot, I go here. I come back because I didn't want to hit the guy. Oh, I look back and I'm like, and I'm still looking at the guy in my rearview mirror. I'm like, what is happening? I praise God there is no one beside me. There is no one behind me. But I was like, what is going on? Do you ever get that? 
We're like, you're, <laughs> not that situation, because I'm sure no one has ever seen that situation before, because that was weird. <laughs> Do you ever get those moments, like where your focus just gets completely consumed by something else? It didn't happen right away. It just gradually happened as something came into picture and your focus just went like. And all of a sudden, this is the thing that was in focus and everything else blurred out. And maybe you ended up in a ditch. Friends, I think that's what happens when we allow the distractions of this world to take our focus off of Jesus. There's never a moment without distraction. But when we know our calling, when we recognize the timing, and we make the change, repent, and no matter what our focus has been on, we place our focus back on Jesus, everything else will start blurring out while he comes into focus. If you're able, I want to invite you to stand. And in this next song, it's a song we just sang, a Simple Kingdom. I want to invite you to reflect and pray how perhaps your focus may have been on your kingdom over his. And in the lyrics of this song, allow the lyrics to minister to your heart as we reflect on the difference between our kingdom and his kingdom. Let's sing this together. Thanks for listening and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.